from the smallest room in New York City. Comes a show that gives you a reason to Another live. suspect has escaped NYPD custody and remains at this time on the loose. It's 32-year-old Mohamed Salah. He was being arrested along with uh, seven other drug suspects. An altercation between the suspects and officers broke out as cops led the suspects to a police vehicle from a building in the Queensbridge houses. And as they drove to the 114th Precinct House, officers noticed, hey, we're short a guy. Yeah, it's not the first time. Like I said, in December, a robbery suspect escaped police custody and an attempted rape suspect, Jose Bassano Torres. That was last month. He was caught after he escaped police custody in downtown Brooklyn. What's up with the cops? I'm sure they are not to blame. Uh, joining me now, cannibal author Gil Valley. Hey, Gil. Good to see you again. It's been a while. And yeah. What's with these prison escapees? It's happening a lot. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, right? It seems like in the case of the ones at the Queensbridge houses, they just like uh, there was a bunch of them, and uh, there was some kind of little skirmish, and I, I don't know how we got uh, got free. I thought you would think they'd all be secured somehow. I mean, no, that, that is an automatic thirty-day suspension without pay. Really? No questions asked. No way. You think they would be more careful, especially knowing that, and especially that it seems to happen now uh, with a lot more frequency than than when I was there. You know, criminals evolve, I guess, just like anybody does. You know, they evolve in their skills, and, and cops you know, evolve in their technology and catching and, and apprehending and keeping them. And and you know, uh, the prosecutors, you know, they prosecute them in different ways, smarter ways. I don't want to sound like old man uh, fucking crime here or something, but they, uh, the legislation sometimes works more in favor of the criminal, and I don't see any like great uh, necessarily uh, added rights, you know. Uh, for instance, you know, all the urinating on the street. Uh, that's a big one for me. I, I don't see how that really, you know, you can say that it uh, disproportionately affects people, you know, uh, who piss on the street. Um, uh, you know, Gil Valley, of course, uh, was uh, not allowed bail. He was arrested and not allowed bail for 21 months. Is that right? 21 months in prison. Uh, yeah, not allowed bail, all a bunch of crap, a lot of lies. And you were in, um, a, a, in, in tombs, right? Is that... No, no, no. I was in federal custody. Federal so I was, custody? Yeah, I was in lower Manhattan. Okay, uh, got it. The MCC, uh, Metropolitan Correctional. Right. Okay. With a lot of bad dudes yeah. who weren't actually bad. They were very nice to me. <laughs> I never had a problem. Well, you were a cop, you know, and still at that I time. I was worried. That's what I was worried about. That's what the prison guards and captains were worried about. But at seven months of solitary confinement was all I could take before I started, you know, I, I told the captain, I don't care if I get my ass kicked the first day, just give me a chance. Mm. Um, and it never happened. In fact, they were very nice to me. They didn't see me as a cop. And this is somebody who told me this, you know, we see you as somebody who was railroaded by the justice system, who doesn't belong here. Um, and, it, you know, it was some really bad days for me, someone who didn't belong in prison, who was innocent, who was looking at life in prison for these uh, sexual violent fantasies. Unfucking believable I've had some instances where people get that the whole case was a sham, but it's like, eh, like we kind of don't want to deal with you. It's strange. It's really strange, isn't it? Uh, no, we get it, but a lot of people don't, and so we're going to side with the ignorant half. or the, uh, One little group, if they're vocal, they can sway things so much now. But the thing is, like, public opinion needs to catch up to reality and not the other way around. You, of course, you, the decision was thrown out. The conviction was thrown out by the judge. It's highly unusual. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, people who see the case and they think it's... I got off on some technicality. I didn't. I was... I mean, this judge ripped 
the prosecution to complete shreds. He wrote a 110-page opinion, and 107 pages of it was just ripping the prosecution <laughs> to absolute shreds. Yeah. I mean, he's, this was a slam dunk, and that kind of thing just doesn't happen for a judge to throw away. Not only this, he disregarded the jury's verdict and, and dismissed the case. Like, that does not happen. And then for the Court of Appeals to affirm that decision... Also, you know, so yeah. I've been completely exonerated, you know, found innocent. And so, you know, like there is no, he was off in some technicality. Some people feel that. I don't really care what people think anymore. It's been a few years now. I've kind of learned to live with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, move beyond it as well. But, you know, I have one more thing to say, and that's, that, uh, I guess, a. Uh, what does Shakespeare say? Something about a rose with smell is sweet or whatever with any other name? Cannibal cop. That's all people here. They think that's all they need to know. Like, there's people who think you killed people. You're aware of that. I, I, I do. I see a Facebook post or Twitter post or whenever there's a story written about me, which just seems to be like every six months, I feel like the New York Post and Daily News have like some meeting. Okay, like where do we leave off with a cannibal cop? Like what's going on with him? And I get a phone call or an email like every six months from somebody. Just see what's going on in my life. It's so it's pretty funny. From like a, a post reporter or something? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, would lo- I would love that in a way. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it, you have this never-ending stream of publicity where the things go well or they don't go well. It'll always be promoted. It's become kind of a joke now, which is fine. It's uh, I'd rather people people joke around and you know write little punchlines about me than be afraid of me but there are people you're right when a story's written you read the comment section they're like, like didn't he like eat his wife <laughs> didn't he <laughs> kill the girl in maryland it's just ridiculous stuff you know, that, you know we've been joking about it since the beginning <laughs> i know <laughs> that's how i remember uh, listening to one of your episodes you did and that's how we kind of hooked up yeah but you know, you joked around but you but you got it and not many people back then got it. <laughs> right proud to be part of the early adapters on that i see uh, your latest uh, adventures promoted in the new york daily news here it says get ready for cannibal cop the movie a movie about about your life film studio is optioned to gill valley's memoir raw deal the untold story of NYPD's Cannibal Cop, amazing book. Uh, you should read it, so you'll be uh, up to speed on the movie. That's available, I'm sure, on Amazon and uh, elsewhere. Uh, yeah, raw deal. Read that book. I think that might be uh, that might be the last book I fully read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of a reader either. It's funny because now I think you were the first person to refer to me as a cannibal author. Like yeah. the cop part is gone. I'm now the cannibal author. <laughs> yeah, because now you've sold the rights to uh, raw deal and uh, two other books. Yeah, so that um, you've written. We're here on Saturday. since you've been out. <laughs> yeah, we're here on Saturday afternoon about four thirty. Um, and last night I signed an option for my two horror books to for those all to be made into movies. So uh, the, the first one that was released last year is called A Gathering of Evil. Yes, A Gathering of Evil. And the uh, the sequel was just released a few weeks ago. It's called The Social Catalog of Prey. Whoa. And it's very much centered on social media and how just people, the message is people share too much shit on social media uh, and wow. they make it easy to be found for uh, psychos, yeah. any lunatics out there who want to try to find you. Is it, will, will this change the way people post? I hope so. That's kind of the tagline. Me and uh, the publisher and my co-author kind of got together and we like the tagline we like is you may change the way you use social media after reading this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a message. You know, me as a cop, as an ex-cop and a father, I just, 
people make it so easy to be found. And I think people in general need to be a little bit more careful. There are measures you could take to uh, be safe about posting. I feel bad for older people. Not that I'm not an older person at this point, uh, but like older, older people who really don't get how social media is so accessible to everyone and that they, you know, when you first started on it, it wasn't everybody and it seemed friendly and you kind of had the idea that your friends would be able to see your stuff and then the terms of service update or whatever and every all this information and you think, oh, I don't really care if they know what I buy. Advertisers and Amazon and Google, they're going to know all my shit. A lot of people put their phone numbers up there. I mean, I've, I've seen that. I, I never understand yeah. that. I mean, phone number to me is like a, a step beyond, but really... That's the least of it, most likely. You know, I mean, you can track somebody's address. I mean, as the one who wrote the book, you know, even you know, so just without giving too much away with the book, like the whole premise of the book is this really smart, beautiful girl who's in college and she's like, you know, a straight A student, but she's addicted to social media. She has a lot of followers on Instagram and what you know those. Instagram accounts like the smoke shows and like so she's on there and then like she's an influencer kind of almost yeah she's like you know she has tens of thousands of followers and she like loves to post stuff and get all the likes and all the messages like she just loves that attention and she posts and posts and posts and just makes it you know she posts where she is and like so people could find her you know just based on her posting and like her pattern and she makes it very easy to be located yes and so it's kind of a message like like i said just watch what you post be careful about it man people have such naivete about that because really like you don't think well there's nobody bad who's going to look at my instagram and show up yeah exactly anything. and uh there's bad people there, there are really a lot are. of there are really bad people in the world i've seen it firsthand as a cop for almost seven years in harlem you know the things people do to each other it's a. There are really vicious, vicious people out there who would take advantage of that. You know, people sure. being naive, people being careless, and they're smart enough to do it. You know, and it's common enough, and yeah. you know, having the app on your phone is free. And you know, the people who uh, sometimes are the most uh, vicious in your life are the people who get to know you the best. There's some people who want, you know, they, they have a power thing. They want someone to feel bad or something. I, I really don't know. It, it's incomprehensible to someone who doesn't think that way. And God knows. Well, yeah, so anyway, so it's exciting. Like I said, it hasn't really hit me yet. It's been not even 24 hours since I signed a deal, but to have three books written and three movie options is pretty, like I'm batting a thousand, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, I'm batting a thousand with my books. So. I mean, that is nuts. What if you came up into the big leagues and the first thing, uh, first three pitches, you just fucking, you know, like yeah. right out of the park, uh, or at least a hit, is that what, uh, you're on base at least, you know, and sure. uh, I guess... Uh, well, the wait a second, three books. That means the bases are loaded now. <laughs> We're looking <laughs> for this, this fourth one to uh, back clean up. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah so I'm, I'm still writing. I'm working on another book now. It's working out. You know, I, I as know, far you've, as like, you've written three books this morning, probably. You're <laughs> a fastest writer. When you first told me about Gathering of Evil, you said, Yeah, I'm working on this book. I'm almost done. <laughs> I started <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> <so I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, you're, This is insane. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. And uh, it, uh, people. Not Yantis, you. I've told a few people, uh, you know, and they just marvel at Like, I I don't have a writer's block problem. Mm -hmm. Once I start, I just really plug away at it, and I get it done quickly, and I'm ready to start sending it out to publishers. And It's probably how you've tapped into um, the power of Satan, right? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, once listen, you have I, all that evil coursing through your blood, it just flows out, you yeah, know, and you've you made know, a deal, apparently. I'm, I'm here for a good time. Yeah. Not <laughs>
What can I say? Uh, here we have a cat hostick. It says is going to direct the flick, according to the studio North Film Co. And uh, the case blows my mind. Very controversial. Is that, I guess this is hostick speaking. She, yes. Yeah. She said the case blows my mind. Very controversial, especially in this day and age when our phones and computers are an extension of our minds. But ultimately, you cannot convict for thought crimes. A valley was totally railroaded by the justice system, so she, or he gets it, she, right? It's a female director, yeah. Female director, which is always good. I had a, I had a female lawyer, which helped. You know, I had a, now I have a female director who gets it, and she, uh, I've gotten to know her a little bit. We've talked. You know. Now you just need a female sex partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the next thing. You know, I've had a few of those. So yeah. Nothing, nothing long-term. But. Valley was totally railroaded by the justice system. Our hope was to produce a film that is both compelling and truthful. And that is important to you, isn't it? That it be represented in a truthful way, finally. Yeah, truthful. Um, exactly. Fair, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair, of, just yeah. you know, but I understand that uh, these sexual fantasies. There's a lot of violence in there, and I understand for a movie to be completely compelling, some of that stuff has to be in there. And I understand that. And at this point, with the criminal case completely over with, it's all about just taking any opportunity that comes my way. Mm-hmm. I have a daughter. You know, I want to put some money away. I'd love to pay for her college education. Like something like this really helps, even though. Do you think that Kathleen will allow that to happen? Well. She can't touch it anyway. You know, my ex, what's hers is hers. What's mine is mine. So and I don't want to get too much into what's happening or what happened with family court. But, no, you no. know, what was, she can't touch any of what I do. Okay. Any money I make, she can't go after it. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So yeah, I still want to be a dad. I still want to do what a dad is supposed to do, save for my daughter's education. And this is something that can really help if it works out. May I ask you to uh, do... The, do your in-laws and ex, do they, you know, in the way you say, I get it, do they get it? I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to any of them. Oh. They might understand now that the case was completely uh, bullshit. Mm. Um, but not everyone gets it. So maybe, you know, my ex, I never faulted her for how she reacted. I never did. Right. You know, where I faulted her was how she... That was our job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Her testimony really upset me uh, because she made it seem like life in our home wasn't good, and, mm-hmm. it, and it was great. It, it's three years we had together that I'll never, I'll never forget. It, it was all good, and um, they really got to her. They really twisted her badly. I blame the FBI and mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. attorneys a lot more than I blame her. But yeah, yeah. But now she, but but now she's keeping our daughter away from me and my family, and. Um, that is upsetting. That's really, and my daughter's old enough now. She's going to start asking questions, and I don't know how she's going to, how my ex is going to deal with that. I really don't. But you know, people you can. You think, would love to have some input on that conversation, I bet, wouldn't you? Yeah, and you know, I we tried. Uh, the case ultimately didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, so now it's, uh, I have to wait for someone on the other side to reach out to me or for my daughter to find me herself. And like you said, she's going to start asking questions. She's going to want to know who her dad is for sure. Well, fortunately for her, you're not too hard to find. In fact, no, you're getting more visible she, no, every day now. She, would, uh, she wouldn't have a problem finding me if she uh, wants to start looking. She might potentially see this film, in fact, uh, Raw Deal. Yeah, maybe she will. I and wonder if it'll be called Raw Deal. I'm not sure. Maybe. Which, by the way, I'm totally, the, in my words, Raw Deal. That's what I said. Uh, you got a Raw Deal, and then uh, the book comes that, out Raw Deal. That episode I listened to. Yeah. Uh, I remember you, Mandy, and that lawyer. who uh, yeah, Jim Polk, <laughs> criminal defense attorney. Yes, uh, you coined a term that day. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, hey to, to have had any uh, 
even subconscious influence on uh, on anything there, I'm going to take full credit. <laughs> you should, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it Why is not? a raw deal. There's no there's no other uh, way to put it. And uh, you um, now uh, turned a raw deal into a, a, a you know a, a very well prepared and uh, tastefully presented deal. Uh, you know, with all these books, and and, and I, I'm so happy to hear it, and and I, I wish you all the best going forward on all that because uh, if anybody deserves it, it is you, Gill Valley cannibal author. Oh, I now, appreciate that, and the key word there is tastefully presented yeah. because you can never <laughs> get too many puns with right. this case. The <laughs> yeah, jokes know. really write themselves, don't yeah, they? Yeah. That's the, that's why they keep coming to yeah. you all this time. It's like it's like Anthony Weiner or something. You exactly. Know? You might have been in competition with Anthony Weiner for those couple of years <laughs> to, to, for the most uh, headlines. I know? think I think he takes uh, the cake for front pages, but I might be second in that time period. Yeah. <laughs> when which... I had the dating profile, I mean... <laughs> I signed up for match because th- things were quiet and it was when I was out of prison and things were quiet and I was like, you know what? Let me see. Like, let me see. Let me see. Cause, but, um, yeah. I didn't have my, you know, my old computer with all my pictures on it were gone. So I, I used some pictures from me at court, <laughs> my dating profile. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, it Here's wasn't me at court. <laughs> yeah. Like walking out with a suit in front of the uh, courthouse. That's great. Um, which was, I mean, I think I had a few drinks that night when I <laughs> decided to do that. You want to date someone famous? Yeah, and I swear the New York Post was at my house not even 24 hours later. They found it, and they just said that I think the front page the next day was Hungry for Love. <laughs> God, hand it to the Post, man. They know they got their... their Always looking for that story. Uh, and and that's just from putting it online. I mean, goddamn, were they like monitoring Match.com? I don't know how. Maybe someone found it, my profile, and gave them a tip, or some one of their reporters on Match.com. But it's, and saw it's it. It, was one just, it wasn't fuck, even 24 it's hours. one of that. millions of fucking profiles. It's yeah. insane. What, what really pissed me off, the, what they did didn't piss me off, because I was like, whatever. They, they made a joke of it. I, mean, I always preferred people to... Like I'm good with you know bust my balls it's fine like I'm totally good with that yeah don't what get pissed serious me off with is Match.com deleted my profile that pissed me off to no end they got no right to do that they have really no right and I and uh, no reason and I had because when someone sends you a message on Match.com you get an email in your inbox you know your regular email you mm. have a message from you know such and such and I ha- I must have had like 17 or 18 messages that day in less and than I couldn't, 24 and hours and I couldn't read them. After the story came out, I couldn't read them because they delete those bastards delete them. That pissed me off to no end. Wow! It's like they couldn't let women decide whether or not to message me. Or man, people are wrong these days. Companies are wrong. They're yeah. wrong. No they're, balls. There's there yeah no balls and and it, like people are afraid to be edgy these days. Everything is so politically correct. Like the, the Super Bowl, the, the commercial sucked. It was like all social justice stuff. No one dare say anything that might offend a group or you know like part of comedy is being edgy and you know that that's what makes some people laugh and this is the worst batch of commercials i've ever seen in in my life (laughs) and the game was it seemed like they were playing the same way you know yeah it was keep it on the ground you know uh, let's just move the ball i mean they i like to watch a good running game and defense and whatever but jesus christ uh that that probably had less to do with the PC uh, atmosphere of today, but like Match.com, <laughs> you know, like these companies who uh, will immediately fire a guy when he's accused, or you know, they they think that accusations accusations will stick, sure, uh, and uh, up to the you know the Supreme Court for Christ's sake, you know, I mean the, this guy trying to get approved, and now afterward they go, I'm a guy who's been accused, and they label him that as if this is some kind of well, yeah, he they looked into it, yeah, there wasn't enough to, I mean, I. I 
it's mind blowing how much damage that's supposed to do. And on the emotion that people make the decision on, I mean, like I never heard anybody give the reasons why they start with a presumption of guilt based on, you know, a woman's testimony. The court of, the court of public opinion, it's guilty till proven innocent. He might not even get proven innocent in the court of public opinion. Never. I know that better than anybody. It's guilty. And we won't let you even prove yourself innocent. Yeah. I mean, speaking personally with my case in the beginning, it was very heavy that I was this lunatic, this monster who was like very close to eating and roasting a woman. Like I had a human sized oven and everything. (laughs) Yeah. A little place out on the, in the mountains. Yeah, exactly. And like, it, it came out that none of this stuff existed and there wasn't any stalking. There wasn't anything that happened in real life. But when that came out, like the newspapers didn't really care enough to correct any of that stuff because like all the juicy stuff was like this cop who, who had these like, sexual fetishes who was supposedly really close to really doing it and that's more appealing to the new york post than well, than um <laughs> yeah it's than more actually, appealing to their readers than, yeah, actually, actually no he's just some schlep who was railroaded who doesn't belong in prison like no that doesn't really which is the real meat of the story yeah and uh and we're using words like juicy and meat yes but uh it's you <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really i that's how i knew when that there was nothing to it is when it started to be treated with some humor. And you know that like anybody who's actually conspiring to murder women and, and eat them is, is not going to be treated that way in the press. They're going to like, this is very serious. You know, my God, this guy is a real killer. Yeah. And like they Photoshop pictures. So like I'm wearing, you know, a chef's hat and I have it. <laughs> <laughs> it was always comical. Yeah. It was always, yeah. From the beginning. I think you're right about that. It was always, so I think people Initially, from the beginning. Well, I think it. the first couple of stories though, they really did kind of, I mean, they were, they were selling the real sizzle then of like, they, this is like, oh shit. Well, when, you guy. know, when the FBI is saying something, they, they never lie, right? They're never wrong. <laughs> and you know, you, the guy, the, 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 um, it was a prosecutor, I guess, an FBI prosecutor who was like, a re- just really, they'll go to the point of being dishonest. Like they know that it's not fair they're doing this, but in order to make their case look better or I don't know, it's almost out of a vendetta, you would think, but like, how could that be? Yeah, no, they care about how they're perceived in the public. Instead of dropping the case, which is the right thing to do, they rather go through with the whole thing and see if they can put you in jail whatever, for life. Whatever it took to make their story stick, they did. And even like to the point of not letting you get out on bail. Yeah, and I was not let out on bail and the information they gave to the judge was incorrect and completely dishonest. And, and they, they kept they, you out and, of the and hearing. They, they, they knew it and they kept me out of the hearing through some snafu. <laughs> and it was um, it was just one after the other and then you it were comes... Just, dri- just to, I mean, you were driven around in a van for a couple of hours during the hearing or something like that, right? Yeah, I was in I was transported to Brooklyn and nobody knew where I was. My lawyer didn't know who I where I was and they were trying to find me all day. They thought I was in a hospital and they just nobody told them where I was. And as a convict or a, a pre-convict, not a convict, but yeah. a, a, a detainee. Pre-trial, pre-trial. It's not like you had a phone. Or no, anything. no, no. I had no way to notify anybody. They just they took me out of my cell one day out of nowhere early in the morning. Mm-hmm. They kept me in some really small cell. It was just like a solitary confinement kind of thing. Kind of like my apartment, yeah. <laughs> Late that night, they I'm on a bus going to Brooklyn. Uh, 
I'm in a, I'm in a cell for a night. The next day, there's like this big emergency court hearing. The judge was really pissed off. That was the one good thing about it was it pissed off the judge to no end. What happened? Right. And when my uh, when I met with my lawyer Julia uh, the next morning, she was just in t- like bawling her eyes out because she thought something had happened to me. She thought I was had I been hurt or something. And she at that point really got to the point where like there are factors at play here that because it started to come out that this case wasn't what, you know, it wasn't what it was yeah. said to be. Yeah. And she started with the whole, like, there are factors at play here that are trying to ensure that we don't get a fair trial here. What a terrifying thing to realize. No, so completely. Like, yeah. And, you know, I don't know what she told my family. And I, no one knew where I was for 24 hours. Mm. And we joke a lot and, and stuff, but you were looking at the rest of your fucking life just thrown in the garbage can behind bars. Yeah, no, this wasn't a vacation in some low-security federal camp. This was the rest of my <laughs> life in a penitentiary. You're talking about the, the consequences are just the stakes are so high. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I can't, I can't, I can't even, just to look at that. If I, if I was looking at six months or three months in prison, you know, in jail, in lockup county or state or a federal, any level, I'd be shake, I'd be pissing myself. You know, yeah. and you were looking at eternity for nothing. And like we talked about as a former police officer, where where I was at downtown, it wasn't that big a deal. But in a penitentiary, it might be a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you certainly couldn't count on anybody's attitude towards cops being that forgiving. Right. Well, so uh, uh, you're obviously aware of uh, this, this guy, a killer like you. Uh, in uh, <laughs> the Manhattan Beach Hammer Man, uh, he's going to face the music for the alleged murders of three. His alleged murders three in a Sheep's Head Bay seafood joint. Uh, prosecutors slapped 34 year old Arthur Martunovich with a 21 count indictment in the deaths of three Seaport Buffet uh, employees who were randomly hammer beaten at work. Oh, now he did. Two and a half weeks ago, maybe three and a half weeks ago now, in the unprovoked Thor attack, uh, Martunovich faces a Charges, including first-degree murder, and I want to ask you about that. Second-degree murder is a hate crime. Uh, this was a January 15th bloodbath, and yeah. he could get life without parole. That's what you would have been looking at, right? Sure. I, I, There's I, no I, parole conspir- in the federal system. Conspiracy from, uh, to attempt to, uh, to yeah, kidnap. To that was kidnap. what I was charged with. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Anyway, so uh, this guy, yeah, he just walked into this, uh, you know, uh, seafood place and and started swinging and there there are some other factors uh you know about it but that I'll that I'll bring up momentarily but just limited to the first degree murder charge i mean like that's why is that so rare in in new york anyway yeah well first degree murder if i recall you have to uh it has to be completely thought out premeditated he 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 went out there with the intent to murder people that day not to just smack them with a hammer and no, like no, i don't no. know what's going to happen no exactly he didn't want to just beat people up with a hammer he wanted he when he got dressed that day with the full intention of going out he said i'm going to go and kill people and uh, you know until i'm stopped so what's the drawback to charging that and then you know they find him guilty of a lesser offense or something i mean is it one of those cases where if they can't prove first degree murder then uh then it would go to manslaughter no it would go down to manslaughter like Like it could be well manslaughter it could be some kind of involuntary deal kind of yeah you know i'm not that kind of stuff is a little fuzzy to me it's been a few years since i've uh, studied up my penal law stuff but penal law 
Now, uh, police say Martunovich told them following his arrest that he targeted the men because they were Asian, was arraigned, uh, was arraigned via teleconference by Supreme Court Justice Danny Chun. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, you have an Asian judge. Yeah. It doesn't help. <laughs> it's not going to help unless he's trying to show how magnanimous he can be. Sure. Uh, like, I'm not what you think just because I'm Asian, I'm going to find against this. Well, anybody would. This guy is a hammer-swinging maniac. He was ordered uh, held without bail by Chun. Good decision. Uh, Martunovich is currently in the psych ward at Bellevue, at at least the time of this writing. Chun ordered a psychiatric exam to determine if he's a fit stand trial, is what I said. Uh, The results of which uh, will be, um, well, they'll be in by the court date March 4th. So uh, Eric Gonzalez, that's a Brooklyn DA, he described it as an atrocious and racist attack. So the racism is being... uh, That's the hate crime charge. Yeah, that's the factor. And um, if he told them that, you know, like because they were Asian, and if you attack them because they're Asian... You, you can't uh, you can't do that now. You, it's it's okay to like someone because of their ethnicity. You can be like, I love Asian women. Yeah. Uh, you can be like, I'm really into uh, black women, but you can't be like, man, you know what I really hate. <laughs> but so I I guess that's uh, I just don't understand how that um, becomes an element that increases the value of the crime. I mean, like it really doesn't. When it's something like murder, I mean, he's going away for life anyway. The hate crime thing is just semantics. It's just a, really, yeah. It's just yeah, aren't a, the sentences. Doesn't it elev- escalate or elevate the uh, the punishment, the possible for, punishment? Well, it would if it's just an assault. If it's an assault where you're looking at five years, a hate crime could make it seven or eight years. You know, but murder, first degree murder. Didn't matter if they were black, white, purple. He bashed our heads in with hammers, with a hammer. Well, the, well this is, is second-degree murder is a hate crime, but same thing, right? That's just, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, what they do is they just charge you with whatever they can. And then if something, like you said, if uh, if the first-degree murder charge doesn't pan out, then they still have second-degree murder with hate crime. But you, but that has to be listed as a charge as well. Yeah, no, they, they, they could charge you with... 15 things. And they normally do. They normally do. They throw it a book. And this is a 21 count indictment, which includes all kinds of stuff. Sure. Probably, yeah, down to a weapons charge. I was just going to say, probably criminal possession of a weapon is like the the least, but but he could still be convicted. Disorderly conduct. (laughs) But the top charge, listen, if he's found guilty, he's going to go away for life. It doesn't matter. Getting blood on the buffet. Yeah, for sure. He's going to go away for life, uh, but you know the the murder convictions here. They're usually like twenty, twenty five, or twenty five. Yeah, to life. First degree murder is uh, without parole. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if they prove that, he will be going away. And I'm not so sure that insanity really is a good defense. I've said this a lot of times. I mean, like, what, what about guilty by reason of insanity? Like, yeah, he did it because he was crazy. That's an issue. Yeah. If you say, like, well, this guy cannot be rehabilitated because he's too mentally incapable. Yeah, of well, then so instead of being in a penitentiary, he'd be in some, you know, in a psych ward for the rest of his life. Like, under the law, you can't be liable. Uh, for murder, you, like the term, the Latin term is mens rea. Like you have to have like the mindset to go out and do it. If you're not sound in your mind, if you're deemed to be insane, mm-hmm. then you, you know legally you can't be held accountable for your actions. So mm-hmm. you can go and hammer people till your <laughs> till the till yeah. the cows start singing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, they will sing eventually. Yeah. Uh, when you when you do uh, beat people to death, they, you know, the cows will sing. 
enjoy because they like to see it. Cows get beaten to death with hammers every single day. That's their that's their you know destiny in life. Yeah. Well, next thing you go to a burger joint and, and you know that cow you're eating was mm-hmm. was probably hammered mm-hmm. to death. And and then uh, hope that it doesn't have mad cow disease, which is a result of cannibalism by the cows. <laughs> when they <laughs> uh, cows eat some cow, they they're eating cow uh, beef. You're just geniusly tying it all together. I want like, people to remember. Uh-huh. Cannibal author, <laughs> Kill Valley, A Gathering of Evil, and Raw Deal. Uh, now, there's other details here, because he says uh, he told a, lat- a Latino employee that he wouldn't harm him before laying into the Asian uh, men working the buffet. So, yeah, I mean, so like, that's, that, that's the hate crime charge right there. Even if he didn't say it, if there's a witness that said he'd left the Hispanic guy alone... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, why didn't you just swing the hammer at everyone? Yeah. You must be indiscriminate when you kill. Exactly. <laughs> it's just murder discrimination. Yeah, no, that's where he hurt himself. Mm-hmm. He, he should have just he swung the hammer. He menaced yeah. him a little bit. Yeah. 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 Politicians, activists, and uh, locals, they staged a rally outside the Emmons uh, Avenue Seafood Restaurant. How many times a week do you eat at this place? Seafood buffet? No, uh, never. Never? Okay, uh, that's weird. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they staged some kind of a, uh, you know, a rally for, uh, I guess, uh, they wanted Gonzalez to prosecute the attack as a hate crime. Yep. And, and Gonzalez, I'm sure, is like, why the fuck not? You know, uh, well, the, the press is is largely in control of stuff. Like, St. Mary's. Peop- yeah, it makes people happy. Just <laughs> slap the charge on it. It's going to make people happy. He's going away for life anyway. Why the hell not? Uh, yeah, hey, if it makes you feel better. That's the main thing. Exactly. You uninvolved motherfuckers who, uh, you know. He's going to he's gonna die in prison. He's going to spend the next the 50 years, whatever, 40, 50 years. But I'm not happy unless he's convicted of a hate, hate crime, right? too. For yeah. hate. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, uh, he, he uh, well, St. Mary's in, what do you call it, uh, in the Bronx, you know about this park, this needle-ridden uh, junkie park? Sure. And, you know, as as you probably know, the Post ran a few stories saying, like, look at this fucking place, like, like they often do. That's their, you know, civic contribution is to, you know, point at the piles of dog shit around the city and get people to do something about it, which is good. Well, it's good because the Post is very anti-de Blasio, and I'm very anti-de Blasio, so <laughs> <laughs> I call him the blasshole. Yeah, God, what a dickhead. He's the worst. Yeah, he doesn't even want to be the mayor. He he started it though. He started it with me personally. When I was when I was let out of prison, he had a little quote in the Daily News that he was like surprised by what the judge did, and he was going to keep an eye on me or some stupid bullshit like that. Doesn't that make you want to kill him? And eat him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be careful here. No, no obviously no, not. No, so ever since then, like, I, I'm not much of into politics. I don't care. Like, I really don't. I don't let it affect me. But when he said that must shit. Must be nice. I, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a nice life. Um, I root for him. I root against him, like, every chance I get. Extremely personal and ignorant. And there's people who read that and go, like, okay, wow. Uh, you know, it's... As the mayor, people listen to what he says. You know, it gets printed. It gets, and people actually will take that to heart and go, "Wow, I guess we should watch out for this guy who's on the loose now." And it, it's irresponsible. That's a guy <laughs> who really did, paid no attention to like trying to understand. Uh, or if he did understand, he's just like this sets the pro woman. It would that would have been a great opportunity for the mayor to actually meet with you, even you know, and say like, "Hey." I'm glad this worked out. Yeah. Our justice system prevailed. You know, this guy was wrongfully accused, and he could have like truly smoothed that situation out. You know, um, 
as the mayor of New York City, that would have been a nice step. Yeah, I think so. But he chose to go the other way and take the easy way. Yeah, just, yeah. just like a lot of people do. They do. But anyway, so St. Mary's, uh, you know, the, the post had pointed out this all the needles in the park and everything, and how um, they had put up some, you know, needle uh, receptacles, you know, where the people because junkies are very, you know, conscientious about that kind of thing, throwing their needles in the needle uh, disposal sure. bins. Yeah. Uh, they had like uh, 11,000 of them or something, and then another 70,000, which were on still on the ground, uh, I, th- I guess. I, d- I don't know the, the order in which one disposes of a needle after they shoot up in a park, but I would guess it's probably after they've uh, become, uh, you know, after they've gotten their medicine and feel wonderful, so uh, or at least normal. Less mm-hmm. sick. <laughs> All right, City Hall, we're going to take care of the park. We're going to do something. Clean it up, and we're going to, I guess, make some arrests or something was the, the idea. But, uh, yeah, we, we're aware of that problem, and we're going to do something. And then um, another publication, I think it was Politico. It might have been Politico. I don't really remember. It's not that important. But they came out with a story saying, well... A plan? You're planning to do what? You're going to do? You're going to clean this place? Hey, <laughs> don't you understand? You said that you were going to have uh, take a different approach to enforcement on drug offenses. And yeah. This is in conflict with what you said uh, in 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 you know your your attitudes about about crime and everything. Whatever raid or whatever was canceled. Although they said like, well, we weren't planning a raid. But I mean, clearly the press change the direction of the enforcement in the park. Yeah. Say, well, uh, he, that, that seems really, really spineless. Exactly. That's a great word. I was going to say he doesn't strike me as a strong-minded individual, just sort of likes to drift in the breeze, whichever way the wind's blowing, that's where he wants to go. Um, He's just killing time until he tries to yeah. run for president or something. Go fill a pothole, please. The roads in the city suck. Take care of a pothole before you take before you do a whole park. Oh yeah, how about that? No, clear the subways of homeless people and take a little subway ride. The subways are an absolute are an absolute mess. It's people pissing all over the street. Yeah, yeah, it, and that really helps us be a better uh, city. Yeah, it's a mess here. I can't wait to get jump out. in the turnstiles. Yeah, we can't enforce that. No, of course the the you know, the MTA is broke, but we at this time must allow people to steal. That service, uh, it's uh, it's something else. But anyway, the whole point is that the the press has a lot of power. I mean, more power than ever now, and they abuse it uh, constantly. They do have a lot of power. They really do because they can uh, affect what people think. They can sway people, like we just talked about with the Blasio. And I always, you know, because I went through what I went through, I always go back to my own situation and how the press really got people to think one way, you know, and um, when you first read something or hear something, it's very difficult for some people to, even if they see evidence to the contrary, to take that new information. Like they always go back to what they initially, I'm a psychology guy. I'm a yeah. psych, you know, I, that's what I, that's what I have a degree in. It's called a confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and that's what's at play. Exactly. Uh, and and uh, they, they want everything they've read to confirm what they've already read and the impression they've already formed. And See, it, you impressed me now. Not so much with the, the, the words before, but come on, come on. psychology. <laughs> no. <laughs> Take uh, this Jesse Smollett in Chicago. Oh, what a mess. Yeah. I mean, like, that was a ridiculous story from the time he reported it. It was, it was just like didn't anybody make, reading it. It didn't make any sense. We've it, read a ton of crime stories on this show, sure. you know, and like, uh, you, and you wouldn't even have to, but like anybody who's read a newspaper or a story of any kind, you go, that really sounds weird. You know, uh, what was it that struck you as like the, 
sort of the... The turning point for me was Chicago, two white dudes at two in the morning wearing Make America Great Again hats in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, I, I that was the, the coldest, first, the coldest night in Chicago in yeah, 25 exactly. years. That, that 25 part, that, that's part of it too. That was a red flag for me. And then, uh, as he didn't want to turn his phone records over to the police, he didn't seem to want to cooperate. Yeah. That's when I kind of figured that it was, I, I thought he made it up, that there was, there was no attack. It turns out, that's as what we I all thought. know, that there were people involved. It was just, they were all in on it. And um, it's just, uh, and that's why he wanted that video of it. He wanted it, you know. The he he kept saying, "I re- I so want that video to come out." Yeah, and then he does the interview on Good Morning America, and he's like <laughs> admonishing people who don't believe. Oh him. my god! And like, what is it? Was it the next day it came out that it was, uh, or two days later? That's or something? the very it's next just, day. Yeah, it was the next day. It, yeah. So I, I love now people on Twitter and social media are finding uh, like the politicians who condemn the attack and just like killing Trump supporters and. And now they're all yeah. getting retweeted and just bashed and just be, like you said, it, it didn't, you know, just because you didn't believe this guy, that doesn't mean you're anti-black or anti-gay. You just, it, it's a story that didn't add up. It doesn't mean you have any kind of bigotry or anything like that. No, of course not. You're just looking at it through a rational lens and it, there's something fishy here. It does not add up. And the damage he did is very tense time where people are just at each other's throats it turns people against other people of course uh for no reason alan page was on um colbert and she made this impassioned speech whether or not what just happened to jesse smollett is a hate crime it's absurd this isn't a debate i agree Not at all. I'm like really fired not up tonight. This, but is how, this is how you have to be fired up. It feels up. impossible to you not feel to, this way right now with yeah. the president and the vice president, Mike Pence, who like wishes I couldn't be married. Let's just be clear. <laughs> the vice president of America wishes I didn't have the love with my wife. He wanted to ban that in Indiana. He believes in conversion therapy. He has hurt LGBTQ people so badly as the government of Indiana, and I think the thing we need to know, and I hope my show, Gaycation, did this, in terms of connecting the dots, in terms of what happened the other day to Jesse. I don't know him personally. I saw, I sent all of my love. Connect the dots. This is what happens. If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them, You go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. What do you think is going to happen? Kids are going to be abused, and they're going to kill themselves, and people are going to be beaten on the street. I have traveled the world, and I have met the most marginalized people you could meet. I am lucky to have this time and the privilege to say this. This needs to stop. That's entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's entertainment. Do you believe this fucking girl? Yeah, it's a comedy show. Like, there are too too many people who just took the narrative and just didn't disregarded common sense, disregarded facts, and just, if it fits a certain narrative, so let's run with it. Yeah, and and I think that that is not like... um, 
intentional. I mean, you know, because she's clearly impassioned. You know, she's she's a believer in this. I mean, like she's an actress. Who the fuck knows? I mean, Jussie was crying about the shit the other day, and he <laughs> knew damn well what happened. But uh, yeah, you read it, and you go, "These guys, like, this is MAGA country." Uh, you know, and, and by the way, if leaders, you know, the hate and all that kind of shit, I mean, uh, never mind the fact that every leader in Chicago is, has been a Democrat for the last, you know, and firmly on board with everything gay as long as possible. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's the most reliably, you know, liberal city uh, in terms of their, um, you know, uh, the, the mayors, the guy, all that kind of shit, and then their city councils, whatever the fuck they have there. But every, it's it's very democratic. They, they were, it's the only city that didn't even let Trump speak. Yeah. He tried to do a rally there, and they fucking they they shut down highways and fucking protested, and and they got they were violent and pushy yeah. to the point where like they didn't feel it was safe. Now he might have gotten away with this story if he was in Kentucky or Tennessee or somewhere down south, not Chicago. That's but, the yeah. last place he, he could have uh, tried to pull this off. All the facts were stupid. I mean, like for the noose thing, right? I mean, like the main thing about the story is that Trump supporters they're so racist. These guys, okay, these racist and uh, homophobic attackers to the point where they must attack someone, right? That's how much they hate them. But also very dialed into what's going on in African-American culture, black culture, and uh, they know what Empire is and who Jesse Smollett is. Sure. They hate <laughs> Jesse Smollett, who I've never fucking heard of, you know, and, and it's not, I don't know, avoid it. It's just I've never heard his name before. Had you? May not. And now he's um, the guy that they both mutually want to attack. Yeah. That's that guy, which would mean they'd have to know his flight information because he'd only been back in Chicago for a couple of hours. And they'd have to find out where he lives, which is like, you know, celebrities are a little more careful about that than a lot of people on social media. Of course. And so uh, it, it's it's preposterous that they could have, like, first of all, that they're so ignorant and stupid and, and everything that they uh, are showing up to hurt somebody, but they're fucking clever and resourceful enough to be able to track him down to his precise location and know that at 2 a.m. he's going to leave for a sandwich. Yeah, no, they did a lot better stalking than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their fake stalking was much better than your fake stalking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they gave, they gave these guys a lot of credit. Anyway, yeah, but they just, and now the press, they won't report it like clearly a hoax, a fraud. These guys work work for uh, the same show. They're actors on his show. Yeah, that's just incredible. It's and they're just, just going, "What does this mean?" Well, the mystery deepens. Yeah, now the story really died all of a sudden. It did it just became a non fucking story? Uh, it's uh, I read something about it in the post, and they're very cautious, you know. And the the course of beliefs, like nobody's been charged or whatever. But even if all that happens, like they they'll find some way of spinning it that it is still. The same narrative, just that, like a, yeah. a Love Ellen Page there. So. <laughs> no, I, you, you're probably right. Someone will someone will come up with that narrative. Yeah. I think you're right. Though, did you read the New York Times uh, summary of uh, is it Hebrews, whatever they're called? <laughs> Black Israelite, uh, and I've heard them, heard them called Hebrew Israelites, but um, they're African-American people who hang on street corners and swear at, at people, call them faggots, and uh, tell them that their grandchildren will be slaves, and that uh, they, you know, they were calling these uh, kids school shooters and stuff like that. Now, they're right on the corner here. You know, I mean, we see them on Saturdays a lot of times on 34th and 7th at Penn Station. And, um, you know, they're not nice. Uh, but the New York Times reporting of it, 
They're street preachers with a confrontational style. I mean, they really, I thought, if these are, this is one group of people they will not be able to smooth over. And boy, they really did. They dressed them up nice for church. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens with uh, Mr. Hate Criminal there. Uh, at some point, I guess, March 4th is next court date. Um, uh, he entered the restaurant, uh, allegedly. Uh, now, this is according to uh, uh, Councilwoman Margaret Chin. She said at the rally, uh, he entered the restaurant motivated by a racial stereotype of gender relations in my community with a goal to massacre. Believing himself to be a sort of savior, the attacker bludgeoned these restaurant workers while they were doing their job. Chinese-American Councilwoman uh, Margaret Chin, Democrat, Manhattan. Uh, so a co-organizer for the, reality, uh, for the rally had claimed that Martunovich had watched a film depicting Asian uh, men abusing women prior to the attack. Really? Which convinced the suspect that he was a savior. That's unconfirmed, but that's what she says Okay, happened. And uh, isn't that something? Uh, I guess it's uh, Asian men abusing uh, women. Is that a is that a genre? Might be. There's a lot of crazy porn out there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> this could be a subject for your next book. Yeah, it could be. Listen, I'm open to ideas. What the hell? Yeah, a gathering <laughs> of Asians. <laughs> uh, Eric Gonzalez also noted this was a violent, horrific, and harrowing attack. On three, completely innocent. It's weird how they have to summarize shit like that, you know, as if that's not obvious. Yes, this is violent, horrific, and harrowing. A guy coming in and just, uh, you know, beating people to death with a hammer. Sheep's head bay, man. That's how it, should, it should go without saying. It's just everyone, there's nobody who support who possibly support this kind of thing. Just three men going to work, you know, like you never, <laughs> you know, they get, they get their heads bashed in. Just right. out of, you know, no it's, it's terrible. No, it's terrible. Like, what's really wrong is... with that exactly? I mean, <laughs> just like, would you call it a horrific crime? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Uh, paramedics, uh, they rushed them to the hospital. They, uh, they didn't all die right away. See, that makes it so much worse. That they, they didn't just die right away. Because then, yeah. like, they suffer and, like, Lingered they're still the alive. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a lot worse than just dying right away. Yeah. Died from their blunt force injuries uh, January 18th and the 24th, respectively. This attack happened on the 15th. So, uh, yeah, that's three murders now that he's looking at. And uh, goodbye, Martunovich, forever, in all likelihood. We'll be back in one second. He may be asked to wear a wire, which is generally attached to the back underside of the criminal's scrotum, like your mom. <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. I lied, I didn't want to. Manhattan, them. Chinatown, a possible hate crime. A 19-year-old woman got punched in the face by a stranger because it seemed she was talking about him in another language. Amina Rosby suffered a broken jaw in the attack. It'd be hard to talk about anybody now. Till that heals up, she'll just have to point and roll her eyes. 10.40 p.m., 109 East Broadway, her uncle Muhammad said, they just got off the bus. They were talking like, where is dad going to pick us up? But when is he coming? A guy walked up and said, why are you talking about me in your language? Don't you hate that? You go down to have a nice time in Chinatown. When you get there, someone's talking in another language. I don't know where you think you are, but in Chinatown, we like a little thing called English. Uncle Muhammad says, uh, she's from Brooklyn. She has a Brooklyn accent. So she's like, what? We're not talking about you. He's like, Muslim this, fucking that, which is the most cogent argument for Islamophobia I've ever heard. Muslim this, fucking that. Then he was all, punch you in the face this, and run away that. Amina was like, all broken jaw this, and go to the hospital that. When the post spoke to her, she said, nothing to say this, and point to her broken jaw that. 
If you have information, you ought to be 1-800-THIS and 577-TIPS-THAT. Joining me now, Vic Henley. <laughs> <laughs> Great opener, Pat. Well, thanks. That's really, no, and I know the story. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's absolutely. If they go two blocks over, they can have the same uh, incident in uh, Little Italy. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing is going on in Little Italy two blocks away from Chinatown. Oh, mama mia. Brooklyn, mm. Williamsburg. Grazie prego. An attack by two skateboarders. Well, Gil, uh, we're looking forward to your appearance Monday on Crime Report, which will be free for all uh, at compoundmedia.com, which is neat. We now have a Monday show that's free, available. You can watch it at compoundmedia.com. Everybody listening can watch no matter where you are, if you have the internet, you've got my show, 8 o'clock live with Gil Valley, and uh, I believe Chadwick Moore may come by. Who is, uh, I remember him. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he's great. And uh, also, uh, <laughs> I believe, uh, Dan Kreisman, who is a candidate for public advocate and uh, a very colorful guy. And uh, Greg the Greek, it sounds like is going to be. It's going to be. It's pretty ridiculous. A lot of a lot of guests on that show. Uh, I, uh, a couple of them. Uh, so you, you, you're you're more soft spoken, and uh, we may lead off with you. That's <laughs> so fine. That you get whatever. Little, so you get a little time uh, at the mic before uh, you know Greg the Greek. He's a, he's a great guy. Very very like uh, loud. When he speaks, he, he talked like uh, hey, uh. <laughs> these kind of guys. You know, he was a, he got famous for the we he will not divide us uh, stuff. Gotcha. Okay, you remember that? Uh, divide us. Be careful. You don't get your butt cheeks divided. Uh, <laughs> uh, he'll be here. And um, well, let's see. I was looking at your Wikipedia page. It's not up to date. Uh, I don't know if they ever are, but uh, it's uh, it says that it could still. The prosecution could still find its way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's completely inaccurate. Yeah, not true. Now, the books. Uh, You had a fan here when you came uh, to the show last. Yeah, uh, I forgot where he he came from somewhere down south, like a long way, not like New Jersey. He he found out I was going to be on the show. He got all dressed up. He was in a suit, and he had a copy of my book, and (laughs) it was really cool. Like That was the first real like interaction I had with someone who – read my i think it was uh the raw deal book yeah so it was a couple of years ago it might not have been my last time the last time i was here because i think i've been here since then but whatever the case it mm-hmm. was like the first real like whoa like there's this guy out there who's a big fan who likes my writing and uh-huh. he like almost bowed down and like <laughs> i thought he's gonna start <laughs> kissing my feet and he's that's like great. it was so cool i felt like a real celebrity and yeah and that's what is what's happening you know as you as more stuff gets optioned for films and now i've seen you on Another show, and let me just say, this is something I got to settle right away. Not too unnatural, but uh, we did an, a segment here, Cannibal Cop Dating Game, right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a clip of that on our uh, YouTube page, on Pat Dex NYC uh, on YouTube, I believe it is. But I'll, I'll post the link again on the Facebook New York City Crime Report. That was a blast, and that got a lot of press. <laughs> that, oh, really? That whole thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before I even came on, there was an article on Crime Feed about, uh, it was like, because you had the porn star on. Oh, yeah, she was one. And was, like, uh, the headline was like, porn stars compete for a date with Cannibal Cop. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was crazy how that took off. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Laura Loomer, actually, 
uh, before you know uh, she her the winner uh, yeah, yeah the she winner. won yeah yeah you chose her over the porn star and and hey you know really not a bad choice I mean she's very nice a lot of love and uh, sure. Flutzy also she's been on the show she was the other so really uh, yeah Laura Loomer Flutzy a lot of love you couldn't go wrong you had three wonderful bachelorettes to choose from and uh, there is that edited clip that I'll throw up but uh, and it's also the whole show is archived. Uh, and then I see you on a different sh- on Jenna Friedman show doing Cannibal Cop dating game, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" See, that was a surprise. I didn't know. You know, they pranked yeah. me. Like they pranked me good because uh, they made it seem like it was going to be a serious interview. Oh. Um, well, I was totally fine with it because I'm a good sport. Like I, I love people joking around. Like that's my thing. I love pranks. I love all that shit. Right. So for the first 20 minutes, it's like, it seems like this real interview and Jen, like I didn't know who Jenna was and she's like, seems like this legit journalist and she's like talking about the case. That's how she presented herself. Exactly. So that's how, and then she starts uh, with these like kind of silly questions. Started to kind of like, okay, what's going on here? By now they have you answering seriously to questions yeah, and they can, so, they can edit this yeah, however I'm like, they want. Like, this is a good way to promote my book. and they can, But they could make it seem like real incongruous sure. and strange. Like they had a copy of my book, Raw Deal, like on, on his coffee table, like so the camera could see it. Like I don't know personally what she thought of the case, but she was saying all the right things. She's like, you know, you can't be convicted for thoughts and all that. So I was comfortable there. And then mm. they just completely... Uh, hit me over the side of the head with this sudden dating game where she starts talking about my dating life. And it's like, well, what if we have a, a chance for you to meet a girl right now? Mm. What do you mean? She's like, oh, right. Like, and so then it became this, but the difference was I didn't see the, I didn't see the women. Oh. You never saw the, did you ever see the finished show? Uh, did, you, did you watch it on television? No, no. Like, I don't watch my appearances. I Let just, me tell you something. They, they, yeah, she, she came off like, uh, like she thought you were like a fucking dick. No, really? <laughs> yeah. In the clip I saw, she acted as if, you know, like like she was really like looking down her nose. I think they might have edited in that those questions later. I mean, yeah. if she didn't come off that way to you. Well, no, from from what I read uh, about it and I've seen some quotes uh, from her, she didn't say anything wrong. No, you know, no, like, but like, I mean, I'm talking about a subtlety like yeah. and you think that's okay and stuff like that, you know? What I mean, like it was it was kind of not uh, I don't know. I, I thought it didn't uh, look. We, uh, I mean, you dress sure. up our show. Uh-huh. We're happy, and like that's not the way I approach you. Like, to say, hey, well, you want to do a serious interview uh, about yeah, or whatever? It was like you know, you knew Cannibal Cop dating game was happening. Yeah, no, it they, was fun. Listen, they they wanted to prank me, and I'm okay with that. And she came off a certain way on. But the show she stole for... my idea, Gil. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my shit was out for a long time before that, and then they just took the idea and used it. So uh, apparently. Uh, the women didn't know who I was, so so um the woman I picked, she all of a sudden she's like sitting across from me, and Jenna looks at me and she's like, "So Gil, uh, do you want to? Do you have something to tell her?" Like <laughs> that was pretty funny. So I had yeah. to tell her, like, "Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm the cannibal cop." <laughs> I had to look at her girl. She was. Uh, I don't know. Nothing against Jenna. I mean, whatever. It, it just uh, it was a good. It, I, I had fun. It was a good time. I appreciate. She jokes. stole my idea, Gil. Yeah, well, that's between you <laughs> that's and her. A, that's <laughs> all I'm trying to advance here. And but you can confirm we did that before she did. Right? Absolutely, yeah. very much. Uh, a lot sooner than than, than she did. By you, months. Yeah, even, you had yeah. the idea. You thought a raw deal before I even wrote the book. <laughs> so, 
You're ahead of the game, man. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, 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 uh, as if there's this. This is a big comedy controversy, by the way. But you have some uh, uh, appear like you're making some appearances in at some festivals, uh, like the the New Orleans uh, True. Uh, what it's uh, it's called Crime Con. Crime so, Con, yeah, right? It's a big, big event for true crime buffs. This would be a dream fucking appearance for me. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I would sure. Love to go you there. should. Yeah, you should come down. Seriously, I've never been to New Orleans, so I'm excited about that part of it. Just spending a weekend down there. It's an all expense paid trip for me. That's uh, great. So that's, that, that's awesome. Very familiar with my criminal case, and it's a big case for people who are into the legal aspect of it. Like you know, joking is one thing, but there are lawyers and like fans of true crime who really appreciate the legal aspects of this case and the line between thoughts and actions. The implications um, are huge for this case, for sure. Uh, had you been found guilty, this would have changed everything. I mean, had that had the had that gone through? Not for sure. If someone makes some silly Facebook posts, right? They can be arrested, and they can point to United States versus Valley. He's spending the rest of his life in prison. That does that's a precedent they can use. Exactly. Yeah, and and it's already like that. In like, uh, if if you post something in Sweden, they'll come to your home and arrest you. If yeah. you if you post something that sounds kind of like you don't like immigrants or something like that, you don't have to be real extreme to, for them to come to your home. And in the United States, we have. Yes. Yeah, freedom of speech. It's protected, and, uh, you know. And your case the, affirms that, you know, on the internet. So um, to have this case, I mean, this is a case that really shows how much we appreciate free speech. For I mean, for the stuff I wrote on the internet, the violence, the sadistic stuff. Mm -hmm. For the court, for the judge to come back and say it's still protected under free speech, because is, it, you know they, he could have said like, I'm, I'm not going to take a chance. What if he really? does something one day, you know, but he was really, this judge was really, um, he decided the case based on the law and nothing else. And Paul the law G. Is, uh, Paul yeah. G. Gardafi. Yes, exactly. A uh, federal district court. Yeah. And then it was affirmed by the, uh, in, in the appellate court. Yes. So you, uh, yeah, that's done. And, but yeah, and really a lot of judges will say, you know, take chances on people yeah. that, what, you shot at somebody? You hear about this all the time. Uh, but um, I'm glad that in your case uh, that that this judge did the right thing. Yeah, it was just a. Uh, I mean, reading that opinion, like I fist pumped my way through the whole thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man, like yeah. she's fucking. Absolutely, that must have been really vindicating and validating. Oh, for sure. And my lawyers were just thrilled with it, and just it was such a such a good damn thing to read. I Didn't mean, you just he, want to like publish it someplace? I'm I sure wanted it's to publish it. I wanted to like go and give the guy a high five. I wanted to give him, a, I wanted to like buy him a drink. I don't know, whatever. Like I just, yeah, he was uh, just, he said what was on my mind for 21 months and he just ripped them to absolute shreds. And now did you get any impression that the judge was, you know, feeling that way throughout the trial? Not really. The, the man was very tough to read. And when we were assigned the judge, my lawyer, Julia, said, and to her credit, she said from the beginning, this man is right down the middle. He's very tough to read, but he'll decide everything based on the law. She was spot on because during the trial, we couldn't read the man one bit. Mm. But that's 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 a great judge, right? He doesn't, you can't tell if he's swaying one way or the other. He's deciding stuff based on nothing but the law. That's what you want in a judge. Yeah, and and also make sure that he that there's no, gonna, the, the grounds for appeal will be difficult to find. You know, I mean, there's not going to be any obvious unfair fairness on his exactly. part or anything you, like that, you, no you, prejudice. For him to take the step that he did, which never happens, knowing that it's going to be subject to a, a, an appeal review, for mm -hmm. him to still do it, he yeah, must have felt pretty good. Sticking his neck out a little bit, For right? sure, yeah. And and also, that was 16 months that you waited for that. 
yeah, after the it conviction. Was a, a you long... had 16 months where you were convicted yeah. for life without parole in prison yeah. for zero. You must have felt very, like it's a Kafka-esque kind of a thing. Exactly. It? And there was the, the hardest part was there wasn't a date to look forward to. It wasn't like, you know, April 17th, the judge is going to make his decision. There was mm-hmm. none of that. So every day I would wake up and maybe this is a day, maybe it's not. And that was just every day for 16 months. Um, I think that's what was, that that was where you were at when uh, Thought Crimes was shot, right? The documentary, the HBO documentary Thought Crimes. I was still in prison when I made contact with the director. Uh, we'd been communicating through emails, but nothing. There was no filming done mm. at that time. Okay. Uh, we had just been email communication, and I talked about my interest in participating. What happened was uh, when the judge acquitted me, mm-hmm. the prosecutors were going to appeal the decision, and that's what happened. They appealed, and we talked about the uh, the appeals court affirming the trial judge's decision. So that was what was kind of hanging in the balance. The appeals court could have said, no, the judge is wrong. Right. Um, so I was like free, but I wasn't really free because that was still sort of hanging over. And that's when the documentary was filmed. Yeah, you were winning, but you hadn't won. Yeah, everything about this case was so weird. You now know? you've won. I've won completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. And, and, and not only that, but you've won in a big way. And, and I've, I've told you this before. I, it's stunning that you've been able to turn the situation around. It was like it would have like crushed the souls of a lot of people, you know, and you take it all in stride and, and you've turned it into this new success, which you're writing, not, uh, some gimmicky kind of, uh, you know, like, Hey, I'm a cannibal cop. I might as well write a book. I mean, yeah. like a uh, raw deal was great, but now it's horror, uh, gathering of evil, uh, actually on, uh, some lists. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, all this in the last couple of weeks, a lot has happened. That's been really good. Um, so my first extreme horror book G- gathering of evil was published last January and, it was recently nominated for best horror novel of 2018. So like my first book, you know, so like you said, it's not some gimmick. It's like, I really want to try to make something out of this, try to, yeah. Right. So it's nice to have you know that validation to be recognized, to, to be invited to this big convention in Texas where they want me to present and talk about my case and my my life and my writing. It's like this big opportunity to get my name out there as an, as an artist, right? What artist, what author wouldn't want, the name recognition, you know, so that's what I want as an author. Lemons, right? Making lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have hid from all this. Uh, it's a lot of people would have disappeared. We'd have just like just said that's it. You know, yeah, I mean, I've been yeah. in the public eye enough. Like a big motivating factor for me was um, I always tell myself if I don't rebuild my life, even though I'm out of prison, if I don't rebuild, then the FBI, all those people still win. If I Mm. spend the rest of my life in solitude and I'm lonely and I'm not doing anything, then they still won, you know, and I didn't, I don't want them to win in any way. I don't want them, no, I don't want them to win 1%. I want, I want to rebuild my life better than what it was. And it's challenging with everything, you know, but, um, especially I would think, you know, um, the family aspect, which we don't even really need to talk about in your, uh, and, and career, which is like when you're a cop, it's your identity very much, you know? So you had your whole identity ripped away. And it was like literally hitting, hitting the reset button when I was out of prison. It was 
starting completely from scratch. And then even like a thing to kind of hold a sort of work out of in a way. I mean, you're identified as a cannibal cop. Uh, so there's people who still are under these, whatever their impressions are. They seem confused about it, but they know it must be something. For someone's first three books to be optioned for movies, I mean, like, uh, I've never heard of that. And it hasn't really hit me yet. It's still pretty surreal. <laughs> you know, but there is a, still a tragic element to this whole thing. It's my daughter doesn't know who her father is. And that's always the one thing that I wake up and, it, you know, no matter what happens with these movies, these books, however much money I make, it's I would rather have my old life back. Um, I really would. That's not going to happen. Really? You, you would like to have your old life back? Yeah, because, you know, I had everything an American wants, right? A, a man has a stable job, a wife, a kid, you know, looking to buy a house. like It's like the American dream. You know, mm -hmm. I was successful in everything I did. And then I had people suggest, since you got the FBI, to think that, your internet writings were like the makings of this international cannibal conspiracy. <laughs> um, you know, try to give a shot at writing a horror book. And I did. And the first book I wrote has been nominated for a uh, best novel. And that's really, it's cool to have that validation right off the bat. Fantastic. And I just wrote a sequel and that has also been optioned for a movie. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with the writing thing. I think it's working out okay uh, for Did now. you do any writing before this? No, never. I mean, it, other than your lengthy chats about... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chat room stuff is the only writing I did other than high school. You know, I was a... I was I was a smart cookie. I took my AP classes, and I was always like a B-level writer as far as like AP lit, right? Mm -hmm. you know, all those grammar rules and... It's like I feel I go, I go back to when I was 16, 17 to say that I am a published author of three books right now and I'm working on a fourth right I would have thought that was the last thing I would have done with my life. And but. you are right now 34 years old. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is a hell of a, a lot of life to cram into uh, just the first 34 years, man. I mean, like, and it kind of leads you to think, like, well, wow, it, you, when you were a policeman and, uh, you know, married kid on the way or he just had a kid whatever mm -hmm. obviously you could not have conceived of how strange the last you know uh five years of your life yeah, it's been it's been wild especially a lot of it's been wild the last six seven weeks especially has been crazy it's just a lot's been happening uh in my personal life uh seeing somebody kind of and i got dumped and it's twice now it's happened where a woman has been totally fine getting to know me and they're like they're totally cool with the whole cannibal cop thing and they know I'm harmless, but they have families and it gets to a point after a while where they sort of pump the brakes and it's like, okay, like I'm cool, but how do I explain this to my mom and dad? How do I explain this? And it's a serious concern. So hey, it's uh, happened twice and it's really frustrating. It's happened twice now and it's girls I really liked. And that's one thing I was concerned about is like, Am I going to be lonely for the rest of my life, right, with all this stuff surrounding me? But there are women but out this there. This never-ending stream of women who ultimately don't want to commit. I mean, like, in a way, it's kind of a gift, right? I mean, you can keep hitting bottom on all these lovely women, and then when it comes time to meet the parents, they're like, uh, and you're like, hey, no problem. Yeah, so I think the next girl I meet after the first date, I'm going to say, let's meet your parents right now and yeah. tell them everything, because <laughs> nothing else is working. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Whenever I was dating a girl before I got married, I remember, like, some girls, like, will you come to Christmas? I want you to come to Christmas. And, no, I'm not coming to Christmas. Not interested. And then, you know, oh, that's where it begins to unravel, you know? So, I mean, like, I think it's a, I think it's a gift. 
I think <laughs> being unmarriable, unhusbandable, just like my unwifeable wife. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like <laughs> her memoir is a, is a little different from yours, but like it's it's just as unforgivable, even more so because, you know, she actually did all that shit. <laughs> it wasn't just a plan. She would do stuff and write about it. And then you write stuff, you wrote stuff and didn't do it. Right. What a strange world we live I in. I have to agree with you. Uh, you, were, you were first arrested in 2012, October 25th. It's uh, six and a half, I guess, years later. Uh, six years six, and a, little a over, couple months, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little over six years. You were a policeman, a wife, daughter, working in Harlem. And then fast forward six, uh, six years. And you are an author of <laughs> three books. Of three books that three are all options for, yeah, for movies. And and single uh, as can be. And um, <laughs> with and of course with all the the cannibal cop. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, just identification that way. I guess the message I'm trying to get across to you listening is that uh, you never fucking know. What's going to be going on in a few years? You know, I mean, I looked at my life and thought it was pretty weird. Like, I never thought I would be a comedian in New York City. Yeah, sure. We started the podcast. I never thought I'd get a chance to talk to anybody, you right. know, let alone, you know, people at the center of some of the most fascinating and interesting stories of our time. You know, Joe Lazito was on last week. Uh, and, uh, you know, Lazito, the subway hero, um, who was uh, stabbed by uh, Maxim Gelman. And, uh, you know, the week before that, Ralph Friedman, who is a legendary uh, New York detective, City cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have a little gratitude uh, for that based on talking to you today. Always. You've been there from the beginning. And, um, you know, it's a lot of exciting things happening, finally, six and a half years later, like you said. I feel like things might be starting to break. I have these two conventions. It's like 2019 is a year of the cannibal, right? Uh, <laughs> if you don't get laid at that convention, man. <laughs> I have to reassess things again. <laughs> All your fans will be there. And you have many fans, many readers, that's, obviously. That's really surreal, too. You know, when I wrote these books, I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen with, uh, like, Raw Deal, I figured it would do pretty well because it was a really big case. It's but, pretty straightforward, but my, my, yeah. My, my horror books, like, those are for a very small subculture of people. So I didn't know what was going to happen with when I released Gathering of Evil. Like, it might flop or whatever. But it got a lot of press right off the bat because, like we talked about earlier, these people are interested in everything I do. So uh -huh. th that, in a way, helps if I'm going to be an artist, and author. Like, I always have that to rely on. A little novelty at the beginning, yeah. That doesn't get people in it to, to the end of the book. No, not necessarily. Like I said, I read some reviews of my book and people couldn't finish it because it was so graphic and violent. But my favorite reviews are the ones that say, this is so realistic. Like, this is something that could really happen. It's like unlike any book I ever read in my life because extreme horror is a lot of blood and gore. I, I like the more psychological horror. They sit there and say, like, this is something that could really, really freaking happen. That's what a horror book to me is supposed to do. It's supposed to really scare people, disturb people. Yeah, and the more the more realistic it is, the more horrifying it'll be. For sure. And um started getting fans. Like people reached out, they like they loved the stuff and that kept me writing. Like so I wrote a sequel. Um and that just came out. I'm still writing. And now by the time you get to the sequel, that is all about the writing. You know, I mean, like, there's no novelty anymore. Just no, it's something to run with. I still have Monday through Friday. Everyone there is cool with it. My boss is like, he's been, I don't know where I would be without that job. Some kind of normal routine, waking up, going to work every day. Mm, right. I've spent my whole life trying to avoid that kind of a situation. <laughs> you got uh, some stuff that's going to take you out of your routine to New Orleans and uh, Texas. So if you're going to CrimeCon, you'll be seeing Gill Valley there this year in New Orleans. There are a lot of very famous people going down to that. People involved in true crime, a lot of people from like the Discovery Channel. CrimeCon. 
That's June 7 through 9. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. It looks like quite an event. In the next week or so, they're going to have a big guest reveal for February, and I'm going to be very much uh, involved in that, and they're going to have a big story about me and my case. So that's more. And then, and I'm not worried about what my what Julia, my lawyer, is going to say <laughs> about press. Like I, That stuff doesn't matter anymore. So no, any press right. for now is good press. Are so you now, still in contact with Julia? For sure. I saw her two weeks ago. That's any, great. Any, anytime I'm in lower Manhattan, I like to stop by and say hello. I owe her my life. Honestly, <laughs> Christopher Darden is in the the OJ issue. prosecutor. He's going to be there, and a lot of very famous podcaster going down. And um, <clears throat> I'm really yeah, I'm yeah. so stoked about going to Italy. And then uh, a couple months later is my uh, getaway to Austin, Texas, for the uh, Splatterpunk Award nomination. <laughs> and so I have like both sides of my life being centered at conventions in, in a two month span. I have the cannibal cop part, then I have the author part. So I'm looking forward to that. It's they think it's I'm gonna have 2,500 people to talk in front of. It's like a a nice menu for me to select from. Just kidding. You're just your kidding. Chops, yes, no. drooling at the thought of all those warm bodies. You have to wipe up the uh, saliva <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> My mouth drooling. No. Well, hopefully they'll have to wipe some of the lady spunk off the seats. You know, because uh, yeah, I think if you get a, the, the true crime fans who get it, and then the, the horror fans who like they deify their authors, I think to a, to a degree in the genre of horror, then you got to get laid. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta make it happen. Or they'll make it happen. You, you won't be able to fucking resist it. You, you won't be able to. Just, I wish I had a convention coming up, like the, the you know, uh, Ham and Egger Comic uh, Awards or something, you know, and I'm nominated for the number one comic that nobody's heard of. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, we'll see you again on Monday. I don't know what we're going to talk about now because we've talked about everything else. Maybe we'll have to come up with another uh, gimmick. <laughs> you have a little less than 48 hours. So like, you do want to get yourself together. Monday, 8 o'clock, crime report compoundmedia.com don't miss it Chadwick Moore will be here Monday and also um, as I said a couple of other guys much much more uh, the guy running for public advocate Dan Kreisman who was a uh, people enjoyed him on the show before Gil see you Monday and uh, uh, again congratulations on everything with the books and uh, thanks for coming and hanging out of course anytime thank you for having me Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Oh, my God. Then all the people moved out of New York.